Welcome to the gathering. If we hadn't met yet, hi, I'm Jordan, one of the pastors here. And if you're tuning in online, drop in the chat, let us know where you're watching from. And so we're, we've been in this series for the last four weeks called Storyline. And it's, it's all centered around this idea. Everyone has a story and your story matters. And Pastor Michael talked to us about how sometimes like your story is, is a zigzag and there's power of having like uh, Jesus in your story. There's a power of presence. And last week we said, hey, God wants to do the same story in me and in you. He wants to make us new. And so I have week four, and I was like, oh, where do I go? You ever like, like, what am I trying to say? What do I want to say? We're like, y'all, I know you're thinking that's every time you speak. We think you're wrestling with that, Jordan. And so I was like, okay, I've rewrote it 20 times. I had friends read it over. Like, what are you trying to say? And I don't know. Like, I was wrestling. Is this series, like, have y'all seen the new Elvis movie? No? Well, okay, well, let me sum it up for you. It's an hour too long. Um, and, and, and it's like, how many times can you tell us that uh, Elvis liked women, Elvis liked to sing, and Elvis liked to get high? I mean, that's the, the summation of the movie right there. You're welcome. You can pay me nine twenty-five to see it. Um, and, and so, but like, we, we get this, like, I'm like, are we going too long? Because how many times can we tell you there's power in your story? And, and I, like, we know there's power in story. Like, if we go and watch a love story, like, you want to fall in love all over again, like Titanic, right? No? Actually, Titanic's more about, a, oh, somebody clapped, because they like murder. Titanic's more about Jack pushing, uh, Rose pushing Jack off the door. It's murder. It's, I'm going to boycott this. There's, um, like, we love, like, sports movies, guys, or, like, shooting movies. Like, we're, like, when someone, like, there's, like, somebody trying to conquer the world, and I watch it. Like, I want to run through a wall and, like, punch everybody I see. Like, that's, like, the power of story here. Or um, any sports movies, right? Like, we, like rock, every, I've talked about Rocky every week, and I just want to box somebody right now. You would probably take me, but I could outrun you. Um, or, or maybe sometimes, like, like there's, like the, like, the new Top Gun. Yes? Like, but when you see it, like this patriotism rise up inside of you. And me and like, we want to rip our shirt off. America! And shoot fireworks. And it, it creates like a feeling and emotion because there's power in story. And I think, I think you don't think there's power in your story. So I think that's where we get lost in this whole idea of we've been talking about storyline is I don't think you actually believe there's power in your story. So I think for some of us, like if we were to be honest, um, like you don't, even, you don't even know what your story is. You're like, you know what? I graduated high school. I went to college. I met my sweetheart. We had a bunch of kids. I work a nine to five. I go to bed at 8.30 after binging the office for the 300th time this year. And then I'm working on the belly fat. Like, you're like, that is my story. How can God use that? But, but then there, there's some of you. It's like, ah, like you feel like your story's still being written. You're like, I, I don't really even know what like God's done in my story because I've, I've been sober for a while but I, I do keep like half a bottle in the kitchen sink just in case things get a little rough. Or maybe like for some of our single people in the room, like you're like, oh man, but I've had this prayer for like a spouse and for kids and like for this dream life, but yet it hasn't, it hasn't happened. And so like in those moments, you're like, I don't have a story because the, the, what I wanted my story to be isn't what I'm getting. Or maybe some of you like, Man, I'm in here. I don't know anything about Jesus. We've been in four weeks and talking about Jesus wants to use your story. And you're like, be honest, I'm just here to go for bottomless mimosas with my friends after church at Sicilian Butcher. And you're like, and the people that awkwardly didn't laugh, you're like, he's on to me. Um, And so like, like, sometimes we just don't, if you're honest, like we don't know what our story is. And, And then I think as Christians, 
And so for like the people that say, hey, I have a relationship with Jesus, the idea of sharing your story just seems weird, right? You're like, uh, like a drag would like knock on doors, doom, doom, doom. And then, you know, then they play like they're not there or they're dead. Like, what, what am I supposed to do? Like, the whole idea of sharing your story is just weird. So to understand the power of story, we got to look at this naked guy in the Bible who liked to frolic in cemeteries. And so there's this naked dude running around in cemeteries, but I think he's going to teach us the power of story. But to, to, go his, to, to understand his story, we got to go back, and we got to go back to um, where Jesus spent most of his life. He, he spent most of his life around the Sea of Galilee, which is like this obscure little, little area in, in the world. And that's where Jesus, Jesus did 85% of his ministry in this small little like area of the world around, around the Sea of Galilee. And, and, and here's what he teaches us even in that moment is like, don't run from obscurity because obscurity is where Jesus refines greatness in you. He's like, even those moments that feel obscure and pointless, like that's Jesus creating greatness and refining greatness in you. And so he spent 85% of his ministry around the lake. And, it's, and, it's, and, and actually, the lake, it's, it's called the Sea of Galilee because um, the Hebrews didn't have a word for lake. And, and, and so they, they called it a sea. And uh, so that teaches us another thing is that Jesus is a lake guy. So if you're praying, should I buy a boat? Husbands, this is your confirmation to your wife. Go buy a boat. I'm kidding. But if you do, I know a guy that likes to ride in a boat. So hit me up. Um, and and why, women, if you're angry that I just suggested that, email pastormichaelgatheringchurch.org. All the angry emails. He's got it. And so, but this is an obscure little area. And Jesus spends most of his ministry there. But, but here's the problem. One day he tells the disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake. And he, he really only hung out like this one side. And so, but on that one side, like in Mark chapter four, because we're going to look at Mark chapter five, like he's preaching and there's like so many people pressing in. He has to get on the boat. So his, his voice carries across the water, but like he's getting famous, like his TikTok and Instagram just got verified. He's like working on a sandal endorsement deal. Like he's a big deal on this side of the lake. And then all of a sudden Jesus says, Let's go to the other side. And on the other side was this area called Decapolis. And so it's like this slang term that means like 10 cities. And they were like, Man, there's this really just crazy, like, it's like, it's a crazy culture there. It was like a, a party city, and, and they had all these practices that were offensive to the Jews. There, were, there was a large uh, station of Roman soldiers there, and, and like, they just, you just don't go to the capitalists if you're a Jew. And, and everything they did and the way they worshiped, they even had a God that was a pig, which if you, if you didn't know, Jesus preferred lamb chops, not, not pork chops, because he's Jewish, right? So like the, all this is offensive. And, and Jesus says, let's go to the other side. And even scholars said this, it's crazy, but they like, if where Jesus would have landed on the shore, there were rocks and on the rocks would have been inscribed, what happens in Decapolis that stays in Decapolis? Like it, it, yeah, it was funnier. Neither service laughed. I should have cut it, right? And, and so but like, there's this, it's this place that seemed crazy to go to. And so in this series, we've been talking about sharing your story. And does that not, it, it kind of feels crazy, like scary, like it's, it's challenging. It's honestly like out of your comfort zone. And here's the thing, that's everything Jesus did to his disciples. He said, you're comfortable here, but let's go to the other side of the lake. And in, in your relationship with Jesus, here's the truth is like, you're always going to be called outside your comfort zone. And if you're not, you're, you might not be doing it right. But Jesus is always going to call you out of your comfort zone. And so he tells the disciples, he goes, he says, let's go to the other side of the lake. And so they get in the lake, they go through this storm. Jesus calms the storm. It's a really cool moment. And then they're there. The storm is gone. The sky's pretty. They land on the beach. And let's, let's catch up with it. Mark chapter five, verse two. 
When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an, by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. The man lived in burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with, even with a chain. When he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, so this happens a lot, right? Like everybody knows what's happening. They always try to chain him up. He snapped the chains. He could have been a part of American Gladiators or, you know, I don't know, the power crew, power team, whatever it was. And so he snaps the chains from his wrist and he smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered through the burial caves in the hills, howling and cutting themselves with sharp stones. And, and so just imagine this, like you're famous. You just left all these crowds of people and you hop in your boat and you land on the other side of the lake and there's one guy running at you and he's naked. And you're like, well, I didn't see that. Uh, so the, the, the first few books of the New Testament, the four books in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are written by four of Jesus' closest buddies. They're called the Gospels. So Luke has a different perspective, which... Here's a question that comes to mind. Like, why did Mark not write about the guy being naked, but Luke did? It's all about what they observed. So I'm going to say it. It gets a little weird there. But uh, Luke 8, 27. Listen, when Jesus was ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in, lived in a house, but he had lived in the tomb. So the question is, is how did Jesus, I mean, how did Luke know that he was naked? I've been naked for a really long time. And, and if he was from Southeast America, like I am, he was naked, you know. So how did, how, how, did, how did Luke know that he was naked for a long time? He's like, look, no tan lines. <laughs> Thank you for the one clap. You're my hero. <laughs> so he looks and he's like, no tan lines. And, and then the naked man is in all his glory or not glory is running at, running at Jesus. And Jesus on the boat, he's on the sand. And Luke's like, no tan lines. And he's running at him. And what does Jesus do in that moment? He's like just there. What I love about it is Jesus is like just Jesus. He was fully present with the person right in front of him. And that, that's just how Jesus is. And I, and I, and I love it is, is that like despite the crowds, and in my mind, the disciples were wanted the crowds because you know, they would be celebrities and politicians that would come to Jesus. But instead, the naked guy with no tan lines runs at Jesus. And I'm sure he just kept eye contact the whole time. But like Jesus is fully engaged with the man and he's fully there. He's fully present with the person right in front of him. And we read this last week in Numbers chapter six, verse 25. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. In the beauty of this moment, Jesus sees the naked guy and he's just there and he just smiles at him. He's fully present. He gave him his full attention. And in that moment, I believe this, he loved that guy like there was no one else in the world to love. And it's this beauty that Jesus said, love, love, and Jesus loves you like there's no one else in the world to love. And he's in that moment fully there, focused on the one right in front of him. And how many times can we not focus on the person in front of us because we're too busy with the ding of a phone, a post on social media, thinking the next place we got to go. I'm sure Jesus had emails and I'm sure he had work stuff to do. And I'm sure he had all this going on. But in that moment, he was fully there with the person right in front of him. And I think that's just the beauty of who Jesus is. Is He's like, I'm going to be right here. and I'm going to smile. And I'm going to be fully engaged with the one, even though he just left the crowds. And, and you know, if it was me, naked guy's talking to me. I'm running. I'm just going to be honest. But, like, Jesus is there. He's naked, naked, depending on what part of the country you're from. And he begins to talk to the man. And he realized the man's possessed with demons. So let's read it. 
Mark 5, 9. Then Jesus demanded, after he realizes there's demons, he says, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion because there are many inside. There are many of us inside this man. And and as he said that, see, legion is this loaded word. It would have meant like a, a detachment, a, a large like detachment of Roman soldiers. In which, you know, if, if you understand the, the, the time and the history, like essentially the Jews were enslaved to the Romans. And the Romans were ruling the world at the time. And, but it was also a whole lot of demons. And it's this loaded, kind of scary and intense word for, for Jesus. And, and, and I think Mark wants you to know this. Nothing about your story intimidates Jesus. And, and, and there's all these kind of weird um, beliefs that I could nerd out with you about. But that moment of the demons, um, of the demons saying their name was that moment. And, and scholars believe of, of the demons trying to intimidate Jesus. And Jesus says nothing about your story. Because I think we're more intimidated by our stories than Jesus. I think we know what was back there. So that's more intimidating to us. But Jesus is like, I don't care. And in this moment, like nothing about your story intimidates Jesus and, and nothing about this guy's past was too much, too big, too heavy, too scary. Jesus is like, I don't care. He was fully there, fully engaged with that guy. Nothing about that guy's past turned Jesus off. And that's the thing, like if you're new to church or you're like trying to figure this out, like nothing about your story is too much for Jesus. Like Jesus is like, okay. He's like, I'm God. I kind of already knew anyways. <laughs> nothing about your story is too much for Jesus. Nothing intimidates him. You haven't gone too far. Even those moments when you're angry, because you ever been angry and just said stupid stuff to Jesus? Judge me all you want, but I cuss more when I pray than any other time in my life because I've cussed at God a lot of times. I repented, but I've been like, God, why the blankety blank? Let me, let me tell you what I said. No, I don't want to get fired, but... um. But like, it's these moments and like, see, even when I was angry and frustrated with God, nothing intimidated him. And then like, he's like, you know what? I forgive you. I love you. And he's fully engaged with, with the man right in front of him and his story doesn't matter. And so if you read this story and you should go back and read it this week in Mark chapter five, Jesus prays for the man. He casts the demons out and they run into, they run into this, this herd of pigs. And so, which is their livelihood, their food, and they plunge into the sea and they die and all this kind of stuff. And there, there's a cool moment we're going to read about in Matthew later that just kind of brings a whole new meaning to even the pigs dying. And, but I love this in Mark chapter five, verse 14 through 15, the herdsmen, like they see what has happened. Their pigs are gone. Their livelihood's gone. So they run to the town and they begin to tell it. They, they, it's, it's all about a perspective thing, right? Like the one man, the whole town tried to chain up is now sane and healed, but they go back and say, my pigs died. It's now some of you, you're like, I get it. It's an animal. I love an animal more than a person. Well, you're crazy. But um, some of you are like that with your dogs. You love your dogs more than your kids. I'm kidding. Now, maybe I'm not. I don't know. But nobody's laughing, so I didn't know what to say. And, um, and, and so the herdsmen, they run in. They tell, they tell the town what happens. And let's look at it. Mark chapter 5, 14. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. Um, and people rushed out to see what had happened. And, and watch this. You got you to zone in with me for one, one second, because this is really cool. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed, perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. And, he, and here's what I think we may miss is naked guy isn't naked anymore. 
But the naked guy like, is, is fully clothed. So the question becomes, where did he get his clothes from? Where did he get his clothes from? And, and listen, here's what you need to see. It wasn't a government program. Listen, it was a responsibility of the believers. It's not a government program, but a kingdom principle. And so they provided for the need right in front of them. And this man is crazy and he's made heal and he's whole and he's sitting there with clothes. And they met, and they met the need and Jesus enters the story, meets the need of the person right in front of him. And, and they were just there with him. Like sometimes, like, and I've said this a few weeks now, there's just a ministry of presence, Right? Like, you ever been in, like, a hard moment and you didn't know what to say, but after, when you were sitting with somebody, you didn't know what to say, like, oh, man, thank you, that was so helpful. You're like, I didn't say anything. And that, it's just the power of your presence. And I think in that moment, Jesus was just there. I don't know what they were doing. Maybe they made some fish tacos on the beach and they were hanging out. But, like, Jesus met his need and was just there with him, connected with him. And that's the beauty of who Jesus is. And he's there with him in that moment. And, and this is where I get really, really critical of, like, the talk today. Since, um, since I wrote it, I can be very critical, and that tends to be what I do. You know, my team was national. My team like wins the championship and perfect season. I'm like, well, they could have blown everybody out a little more. Like that's just kind of my nature. I got to work on it. My friends know this about me. But here's what bothers me about today's talk: is if you're a believer, like you can you, you, you and you have have a relationship with Jesus, like you can kind of keep the napping. You're good. But um. If you're in church, like, I don't know what I think about Jesus. I'm not even sure if I believe in Jesus or you grew up in a different religion. And the idea of a whole series on sharing your faith, sharing your story, and you're like, what does this have to do with me? I think we have to look at the naked guy. Jesus left the crowds, the fame, and the attention. And he gets in a boat, and he goes across, and he goes through a storm. And listen, it was the crazy guy, the naked guy, the guy that everybody just wanted to chain up and have nothing to do with, the guy whose story was ugly and awkward. He was naked and sleeping in tombs. And so if you're like, I don't know what I think about Jesus, faith, and you're trying to figure this out, it teaches us this. <laughs> We see that Jesus went to the Decapolis to, the, to show a naked man he matters. And Jesus went to the grave to show that you matter. And so if you come in and that's all you need to hear today is that you matter to God and you need to hear it. You matter to God. If, if he would go all the way and leave the crowds for the one, he would go to the grave because you matter to him. And so hear that today, that you matter, and you matter to Jesus. And we just read numbers, like, he, he hasn't turned his back on you. You get his face, you get his smile, and he loves you. And we can clap if you want to. But the point is that, the point is that you matter to God. And so everybody, we can zone back in, Christians, wake up again. Um, Every move ahead in the story, the townspeople then, listen, they began, so they got the naked man who was cutting himself, who's crazy, and they see him healed, whole, sane, and in clothes. And what do they do? They ask him to leave. They like run him out of town, and, and the herdsmen come, and they chase him out of town, and, and, and they ask the healer to leave, which poses this question is, why do they prefer lunatics over pigs? 
But it's the truth. They, they preferred lunatics over pigs. So why? <laughs> and I think, um, I think it's the same reason many marriages in here prefer coldness over counseling. I think it's the same reason many believers in here, um, you prefer religion over freedom. It's probably the same reason some of you uh, that, that struggle with addiction prefer, so, uh, prefer drugs over sobriety. It's the same reason for four weeks now you've heard there's power in your story. And if the church wants to make a difference in the world, it starts with you going out and being different. And it all comes down to one thing. There's a fear of surrender. Like, it's the fact that, like, you've got to surrender and say, hey, God, like, my life is yours. You can use it. Do what you want with it. But we all have this fear because, like, we like control, and it's safe. If I can control it, I can put a wall up and keep everything out. It's the reason some of you in a few weeks when we launch groups aren't going to go to groups because you can't be in control because you're going to have to connect with somebody and share your story. And there's healing in community, but you won't do it because you like the pain over the... Because you like pain over healing. But there's, there's a power, and there's a power in surrender. And, and, and maybe it's your fear of surrender that keeps you from using your story. So we keep going in Mark chapter 5, and, and there's this moment where, like, and here's the beauty of it. Jesus just gets back in the boat and leaves. So one, there's, there's a beautiful moment of, like, he, he came all the way across the, like, I would think, like, if he was, if he was like, an event planner, and he's like, I'm going over here, you're going to do this little event on the beach, and one person showed up. It's like, it's like an epic fail. It's like fire festival, you know? <laughs> like, oh, this is terrible. So, like, they're going to go, he's going to go back, and nobody got the fire festival reference. I'll never use it again. And so, anyways, they go back. Thank you for the one back there. She was there. That's why she's clapping. And, and uh, so, so Jesus go, goes, he's going to leave. He's going to go back because um, they didn't want him there. Here's the thing. Jesus wants to be in your story, but if you don't invite him in, he's not going to stay. And so I love this. Watch this in Mark chapter 5. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with Jesus. And Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man began to say, why, Jesus? This is dumb. It just doesn't make sense. He, he, he didn't say that, did he? He says, so the man started off to visit the 10 towns of the region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed by what he told him. See, I think why is the most unanswered and pointless question in our lives? Like, have you ever asked God why something 10 years ago when he still hadn't told you? But if we look at this story, there's a power on what are you doing, God? Who do you want me to be? But he didn't ask a Why? And, and, and I love this. If we, if we keep watching is, is Jesus did not tell him this. Like, listen, I need you to like go to college. I need you to attend 52 straight weeks of church and, 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 grew and go to your group every week. And I need you to pray a whole lot and probably 25 hours a day. Yeah, that's right. Make up an extra hour and pray somehow. He's like, he's like, like going another time zone or something. Like he didn't say that. He just said, go tell your story. And listen, men, look at me. He, he didn't say, hey, go be a light at work. He said, he said, go be Jesus at home. He didn't... Man, like, we, we, we want to be Jesus. We want to keep this image up at work and in the gym. 
but be a jerk at the house. But what did Jesus say? Is, Man, there's more power in that statement than we realize. He said, go reach your family first. But what did he send him with? It was the power of his story. And just think, like, I begin to think of, like, 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 Jesus basically says, there's power in your story. Now go tell. And he sends him out to tell. And as I'm thinking, like, he's naked. Like, he's all these excuses as to why he should. Well, he's not naked anymore, but he was naked. So he's probably thinking, I'm sunburned. <laughs> I've been naked for a long time. He, he may be thinking, I got sand in places I didn't even know I had. Like, I should go shower. He's, he's probably thinking, I stink. He, he, he's probably like, I was sleeping with in, in, this, in, in the graves. Like, I should, like, go get sanitized or something. Like, he had every excuse. He probably thought... Well, people really believe me because, like, this is, like, a brand new thing. Like, I should, I should go buy, like, a Jesus necklace and, and become church chad, you know, and, like, have the dangly earring and the hat and, and, like, live the right way and look the right part. But he said, no, you just go tell your story. He didn't say, well, there's later, Jesus, because you did just make me sane and I got to catch up on all this happening in pop culture. And I gotta, he said, no, just go tell your story. But now go tell your story. But I have to go tell your story. But I also wondered, like, if he thought the story was the problem. He was like, because in my mind, like, I'm thinking, like, crazy guy, he's probably throwing rocks at people. I mean, that's just crazy guys in the Southeast. I don't know. But, like, he's, he might have thrown rocks at people. He was, he was on as a naked guy. He was, I mean, everybody knew who he was. They tried to chain him up. He had issues. The, the whole area of Decapolis knew the crazy man. And he probably thought his story was the problem. Well, if, if God, God, like, look at the past, like, that's going to keep me from being used by you. Like, I, I wonder, like, if he was scared of what people were going to think. But what does he say? Like, what do we learn from this? And I think there's this powerful moment about story is that your greatest hurt, pain, weakness, and mistake, it isn't a liability in the hands of God, but an asset in the hands of God. And, and so the thing is that what you see as the problem, the liability, or, or the disadvantage you have, God says, hey, that's an asset. Because like, all of a sudden, like this guy can go and say, yeah, I was the crazy naked guy. But, but, I, but listen, it was, it was raining, a storm came up, it went away, and then there was a guy on a boat. Go buy a boat. No, I'm kidding. But he's like, there's this moment, and like all of a sudden, everything was better. I, the voices were gone. I was sane. I had clothes. I didn't have clothes and somebody gave me clothes. Like, he had a story. And so Jesus gets in the boat and he leaves. And the man, he goes, tell a, a men, look at me. He goes and he, he's Jesus to his family first. He's just Jesus to his family first. And then we fast forward and he's going a few months later, Jesus we read it in Matthew chapter 15. He goes back to, he goes back to the capitalist. He, he's like, let's go back to the other side of the lake. Let's go check on naked guy. Make sure you still got clothes on. You know, that's important. And we read Matthew chapter 15, verse 29 through 31. Jesus departed from there. He skirted around the Sea of Galilee and he went up on the mountain and sat down there. And I love this. Then great multitudes. So wait, wait, hang on. Let's, let's, let's review real quick. First time he goes to the capitalist, how many people show up and say it out loud with me? Okay. I know some of you, you might be from New Mexico. Count that high is hard. Let's try it again. How many people showed up the first time? One. Okay. Now, now, now listen. 
and then great multitudes. One to great multitudes. And if you, if you study it out, like you realize Jesus feeds 5,000 one day and, and there's another time where he feeds 4,000. This is that moment. So look, look Jesus went from one to 4,000. Let's read it. Let's read it. There's a lot in here. The great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, the blind, the mute, the maimed, and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet and he healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maim made whole, the lame walking, the blind seeing. They glorified the God of Israel. And there's this moment whenever all of a sudden people are being healed. 4,000 show up when last time it was one. And what was the difference? It was one man with the power of his story who went out and told everyone else. And listen, that was the difference between one person naked on a beach running at Jesus to 4,000 sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him talk, all because one man shared the power of his story. And there's power in your story. And listen, that was the difference of changing this whole area was this one man. And, And like, there's another beauty of it is like, Jesus, and I have friends in here, and actually, um, my, my friend Brian and I, we talked about this earlier this week, um, and so I want to, I, I asked him a little bit on how to say it, and I probably should ask more questions, because that would be a wise thing to do, to talk to somebody wiser than you, but, um, you know, um, everybody Jesus has healed, whether it be cancer, disease, sickness, even the people he raised from the dead in the Bible, and that is amazing, they all died. The greatest miracle was Jesus saving their soul. The greatest miracle is salvation. But look at this. <laughs> With the power of the story, then the miraculous started happening. Like Jesus didn't come and start healing people. He said, one man told his story of finding Jesus, finding hope, finding salvation. Then the miracles came forth. So I think your story has the power to open up the miraculous. And think about it, from one to 4,000 was the power of the story. That's a miracle. A mute people talking, lame people walking. The power of the miracle started with the story. But you won't share your story. The power was in the story. But and I also think this. I think maybe I might have stirred your emotions and convinced you a little bit there's power in your story. But how do you share your story? Like, it's, it's, it's kind of weird, right? Like, how do you, like, do you just, like, find strangers on the street? Hey, let me tell you my story. They will punch you. Or if they have little kids, they'll grab them and run. Like, so just don't do it, you know? Like, there's weird moments, right? So I think to tell your story, you have to connect, point, and remember. To tell your story, it's, it's all about connecting. It's all about pointing. I didn't time that right. And remembering. <laughs> you got to connect. You got to point. You got to remember. And I think that's the, that's the beauty of, of what Jesus did is you got to connect with the one right in front of you. And I, I think, you know, sometimes um, like we, we don't have to run. We don't have to run around looking for that person that looks lost and hopeless. We just, what if we said, hey, we're going to be fully engaged with the person right in front of us. Like, I wonder how many people do I miss doing this? And Jesus, just he, he's just there, and he teaches us, connect with the piece of people in front of you. And parents, he teaches us. And, and maybe you're not parents. Maybe, maybe you have roommates. Maybe, you, uh, maybe you're married but no kids yet. Like, connect with the people you're closest to. 
The concept of reach your house first was big for Jesus right there, right? Tell your story. And men, connect with your families. Like, guys, listen, go home and pray with your wives tonight. You're like, it's going to be awkward. It's okay. Just pray with it. And then in nine months, you'll name your first kid Jordan. Thank you. But like, pray with your spouse. Like, there's this moment where you've got to connect. And I just realized some of the students just looked at me really awkward. Now I don't know what to do. <laughs> connect with the person right in front of me. Like, okay, well, how do I connect? Like, how do I find somebody and connect with them? And I just go, hey, stranger, can I tell you my story? No. So get your pen and paper out. You don't take notes. Uh, if you don't take notes, you need to take this one note down. So get your phone out. This is how you're going to connect with Jesus. You've got to answer this one simple question. And I think if you answer this one question, it'll help you connect your story, to help connect with others to tell your story. So are you ready? This question is going to change your life. What does Jesus smell like? <laughs> like? I think that if we can answer that question, that's going to help us connect with others in a way to tell our story. So what does Jesus smell like? Well, I think his breath smells like the white mints in the bathroom. Like, I, I think he had mini breath, minty breath, but I don't know. Um, how do we, what does Jesus smell like? <laughs> Second Corinthians 4, 14b through 15. Look what Paul says about us. As believers, watch what he says. Now, he uses us to spread the knowledge of Jesus, the knowledge of Christ everywhere. Listen, like a sweet perfume. Like we change the environment of a room we walk in. We should be the fragrance of Christ. He says, our lives are like a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God, but this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. So what does Jesus smell like? And if we be the aroma of Christ, what does Jesus smell like? <laughs> I, I think Jesus... I think he smells like fresh baked chocolate chip cookies for your neighbor down the street who just moved to town. And we've all been that new person once and they're probably like, you know, escaping California like refugees coming here, right? And they've all been that new person. And what if you just went down the street, showed up with a plate of fresh baked chocolate chip cookies and when they asked why, you told them your story. I think um, Jesus smells like for that one neighbor down the street who, who maybe can, has one little strip of grass, you know, but they've been so busy, they haven't been able to cut it. I think Jesus smells like freshly cut grass as you go down and you just serve your neighbor. And when they ask why, you tell them your story. I think, I think Jesus smells like sweat and bumper plates in the gym, like he does. Like, what if I took my AirPods out cause, and I was available long enough when somebody said, hey, there's something different about you. And like, they, they look at you, there's something they're drawn to you and you're like, let me tell you my story. And single people, it's not that look like, let me get your digits. But it's, it's that look like there's something different about this person and I wanna tell them my story. I think, I think Jesus smells like a camping chair, a camping fire, and a cold one. As you sit down with a friend in a group in the next few weeks, as we launch groups, August 21st and 28th, and you begin to share your story of what Jesus has done in your life. I think, um, I think Jesus smells like a sweet pea fuel from Black Rock because coffee is gross. Sugar pea, I mean, sugar-free sweet pea fuel. Sitting at a table with a single parent who probably hasn't had much adult time and you just shared your story when they ask why. Listen, create moments of connection and connect. 
Right? That's to be like, you're part of God's, Jesus in you is the hope of the world. Jesus says, it's better this way that I go. And there's a lot of power in that statement and we don't have time to talk about it. But part of it is, is God in you is the hope of the world. You are Jesus's plan to make a difference in this world. But you gotta go out and tell your story. There's a power in your story, but you gotta connect, I think, as the band comes up. You, you gotta make Jesus the point of the story. Like the naked guy's story could have been about his amazing tan line he had for a little while, right? He's like, oh, let me tell you, I look good. But no, he, his, the point of the story was Jesus. And so in our story, there's moments of hurt and pain. There's moments of good and bad. But what if we use those moments to point where Jesus stepped in? We could point about how we were down and out. We, were, we, were, we had filed for, for bankruptcy. We we're struggling and we got back on our feet and we, we, we made it happen for yourself. And I think if you said you made it happen for yourself, you're not as blessed as you think you are because if Jesus helps you make it happen, it's way more blessed. And we said, hey, Jesus stepped in that story. Somebody gave me a chance. I prayed for a job and God, God gave me a job. I prayed to sell a house and, and my real estate company, my real estate business took off. Like we got to point to the moments Jesus steps in your story. So we got we to gotta connect with the person in front of us. We also got to point them to Jesus. And so you got to have those moments where we point to Jesus. Like if you look at throughout your story, as you're sitting around, in the gym over your sweet pea, sugar-free fuel, or maybe it's, maybe it's around like, with a camping chair and a cold one. What if um, you point to Jesus? Like, what if the, the naked man was like, yep, I just got back on my feet and got it, go, got it going on. He said, hey, there was a moment, and he points to that moment where Jesus washed up on shore. And the band, you guys can go ahead and come out as we wrap it up. But listen, we got to point to Jesus in our story. And there's this tension I think we all wrestle with. When it comes to sharing our story, there's, there's one more tension. Is, is we have to remember instead of rehash. Because I think the struggle when it comes to remembering our story and telling our story is we can sometimes rehash the past, rehearse the future, and not really engage with the people right in front of us and remember when Jesus was in our story. And so I could, I, I, I have a story. And the story involves like two years of like hell on earth. And as I remember my story, I could remember pain like a pain I wouldn't wish on my enemy I can remember the people I never thought would betray me betray me I can remember hurt I can remember loss I can remember what things people said about me that weren't true I can remember who let me down and how I couldn't sleep at night or I can remember man I prayed for sleep and Jesus gave me sleep I can remember the moment when there was, there was more month than money and somebody just shows up and pays a bill. I can remember the people that let me down or I can remember how Jesus stepped in. I can remember those moments of being afraid and stressed and worried and how I thought it was going to play out one way, but yet it played out another way. And I can either point to who I can rehash of what I would say, what I would do differently, or I can remember what Jesus did. 
So what I remember is God's goodness and God's faithfulness. And so we, the temptation is sometimes we rehash the past instead of remembering Jesus meeting us in our past. And I think these are, this is a temptation that we have is that sometimes we, we want to rehash instead of remember. We want to rehash instead of remember. And so I can imagine like this naked guy that is now clothed. And, I, and just imagine like the night he found, G, like G, the day Jesus found him on the beach, it had been raining the night before. So I wonder if every time it rains and the rains begin to fall and, and he's getting wet and he's like, oh, this is miserable. He can rehash the people that left him out there cold and crazy and wouldn't come bring him a coat, wouldn't bring him an umbrella, or he could remember raining as the rains come he could remember the times that that Jesus the the rain came and a storm came and it washed Jesus and he's like it washed Jesus up to the shore and he's like I was in the rain the next thing I know I'm there's a guy in a boat named Jesus and he walks up and he asked me my name and so I feel like as he's walking he would remember this guy's want to sing it over us he could remember that that God had been faithful Sing it, girl. All life you have been faithful. And then I, I wonder, like as he's walking through the, the storm and he passed the cemetery. He's like, I used to sleep there. I, nobody would give me a bed. Nobody would give me a cot. And I was sleeping there. Then this man named Jesus, he showed up and he stepped into my story and he invested in me and he changed my life. And he says, as long as I live, whenever I walk through this town, when I go from town to town to town, all I would say is the goodness of God. And I would say that, God, you've been so, so good to me. All my life you have been so, so in this moment as he's walking across the capitalist and there's person after person and person he's encounter, encountering he's like man let me tell you my story he's like I met a man in a boat and he changed my life and, and he could rehash the past the hurt, the pain, the abandonment the people that left him there in a cemetery or he can remember that Jesus showed up Jesus stepped into his story and he goes for all my days for as long as I live for the rest of my, of my life with every breath that I have I'm going to sing and tell everybody tell them the goodness of God sing it girl with every breath that I am
power of worship is in remembering. Remembering that God's been faithful, He's been true. Remembering is the passport to encounter God. Remembering where He stepped in. So in a few moments, church, let's lift our hands and let's remember right now the goodness, the faithfulness, and the goodness of God. Come on, church, let's remember and sing it one more time. Come on, church, hands So you want to walk with power in your story? It starts with remembering. Remembering where God's been good, where God's been faithful. When you were lonely, God sent in a buddy. Whenever you needed help, God sent help. What will you remember? And with every head bowed, every eye closed. If you've come in here today and you're like, I've never invited Jesus in my story. And so what that means is this. You've never said, yes, I want to give Jesus control of my life and I'm going to follow him. And you've never done that. And you're like, today is the day. I want to say yes to Jesus. And I want to invite him into my life. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand up high and say, today is the day. There's one hand. Is anybody else? Yes, Jesus. Anybody else? I say, yeah, hold it up high until I see you. I, just, I want to say yes to Jesus. There's two. Is there anybody else? All across the room, we're going to pray this together, church. Whether it's the first time or the millionth time. Say, Jesus, I need you. I ask that you come and live in my heart. I give my life to you to be my Lord and Savior. I repent for all my sin. I ask you to forgive me. And from this day forward... I'm going to live for you. I'm going to be you to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Let's... If you just said that prayer, and we're so proud of you, we're so happy for you. There'll be a team down front. Um, just tell one of them. You need to tell somebody. That's your first step of remembering. I was lost, alone, and some guy with a twinky voice said, Jesus loved me. And the second group I want to pray with. So I'm giving you quick Christian whiplash, I know. Whiplash, that's the word I'm trying to say. So 
close your eyes and bow your head. If you're like, hey, I, um, Jordan, if I'm honest, I do more rehashing than remembering. And I need to remember Jesus in my story. I need to remember that God's goodness, God's faithfulness. And that's you today. You say, Jordan, I really need help to remember. I want you to lift your hand up high because I want to just pray over you. I want to see you guys, yeah? It's a lot of us. Anybody else? Come on. They're up high. I see you guys. There's a lot of you. Let's pray this together. Let me pray this over you. Oh, let me pray this over you. You can put your hands down. Jesus, I thank you that, God, there's a group of people that know there's a power in remembering you in our story. But, Lord, there's that temptation in all of us to rehash, to rehash who we're mad at, who let us down. <laughs> Maybe to rehash the times we think you let us down. But God, help us remember you. God, I pray you help us take captive every thought to control our minds and give us thoughts that point people to you. God, help us remember you and our story. God, let us remember. God, that's my prayer for these people. That's my prayer for me. God, help us remember your goodness and your faithfulness. God, let us remember the times that you just showed up. God, God, the times we were lonely and you sent a friend. The time we had given up on church and you found a church community that felt different and special. God, the time that that song we needed to hear was sung in church and it just connected. God, the time that somebody sent us that text that we just needed. We know it was you. So Jesus, help us remember. In Jesus, is in your name we pray. Amen. Come on, church. Put your hands together. If nobody's told you this week, let me be the first to tell you, we love you. We're so proud of you guys for being here. Listen, next week, Pastor John kicks off week one of Conquering the Cave. You need to, hey, listen, people are getting back in the routine of school. Summer vacations are over, over. It's time to invite. So invite them in, bring them in. We'll see you next week for week one of Conquering the Cave. We love you.